This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Haven't we had a powerful time of worship today? Man, it has been so good. And uh, next week we uh, start the convention. But today I want to wrap up by looking at the theme that we've been talking about the last few weeks. And that is I serve. Say I serve. Today I'm going to use that as an acrostic. And I just want to share with you a few biblical thoughts. Uh, I love the type of preaching I'm going to do today. And that is to go into a passage and unpack the passage. We don't always get to do that uh, in the different uh, programmings and all that we do. So take your Bibles, turn over Matthew 25, or click on over there. Take your outlines if you're in the building or if you're watching online. And I love our online family. Come on in, house. Let's give our online family a big shout. They can hear you through the monitors. Come on, louder, our online family. Woo! We love you. And uh, I'm glad you're with us every week, and I know it's not as easy uh, being at home for many different reasons, but I'm glad you're a part of our online family. But you'll need to download your notes from our app. As we turn to Matthew 25, let me pause and just ask the Lord to use his word. It's powerful. Amen. It's anointed. Amen. And I know that God has a word for us. Father, I thank you. As we look to your word, We know that spirit and truth come together to bring growth. And today we've worshiped you in the spirit. And now, Father, we look to the truth of the word and the two coming together. Spirit and truth brings growth in our life. And I pray that indeed you'll help us to be and to do what you've called for each and every one of us. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, I want to welcome and recognize, we have Bishop Mullins here from Jamaica. Bishop, will you stand? We love you. We're so thankful. We are partnering with the Assemblies of God of Jamaica. He's in that journey. The bishops there have brought in our School of Discipleship, our encounter, our pastor's cohorts and training, and he's visiting today. So good to have you. One more time. Welcome, Bishop Mullins. If you ever go to a doctor with a pain, you know that he'll begin to check you out. He'll press, he'll push. Now, if I'm hurting, he always pushes where I hurt. It's like, ah, went recently with my knee, I twisted it, and he started pushing and twisting and turning it. Something's not right. And I said, I know, that's why I came. You're not telling me something I don't know. Let me see what the pain is. And, and he begins to push and turn. And oh, I, I get it. I see what's wrong. Well, today, our scripture is like a checkup. It's where the Lord uses a parable. And the parable will teach us a principle. From the parable, there's a principle that we get to apply to our lives. So Matthew 25 is where we're at. In verse 14, Jesus says, and again, the scripture says, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants, his employees, his workers, and entrusted his property to them. You see, Christ is being likened to the one that leaves and he goes away, he ascends on high, and he will return. He's likened to the one that goes on a journey and he leaves behind his possessions. 
those possessions are meant to advance the kingdom of God. Now, we've been looking at our theme the last few weeks is I serve. Save I serve. And today, I was with Pastor Stephen this week. We were doing a pastor's training down in St. Croix. Uh, we were down there, Pastor Stephen and I and, and uh, Pastor Andrew. Uh, we were down there training about 40 or so at a conference. And Pastor Stephen and I were talking about the sermon. And he says, why don't you take I serve and make an acrostic out of it? Well, that's what I did. I went back to the hotel room and uh, made an acrostic out of I serve. So I serve starts with what? I. And out of this scripture, we see that Jesus is saying that a man goes away on a journey and he entrusts to his followers, to his servants, to his employees. That's you and I. He entrusted to them his property. Whose property? Jesus, the masters, and he entrusts it to him. Now, biblically, that's what's called a steward. So I want you to say, I am a steward. A steward is that we are given the assets to protect of another, or we're given the resources of another, and those resources are given. They're not ours. They're the one who gave them, but they were given to us, entrusted to us, and here we're going to see in our story that that which was entrusted to the servants was given for the purpose of expansion, to invest it, to grow it, to, 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 to double it, to bring a return back on it. You put it into another's hands and they take it and they use it. It's your money that the bank is holding. You get your deposit, they put it into the bank, you go and make a withdrawal or make a transfer, and you're able to do it because it's your money. Say, my money. You own it, the bank is entrusted with it. You might have TD Bank, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, I mean, we could go on and on, all the different credit unions and banks. They don't own your money, they may act like they own it when you go to get it, the ID and all of that, but it's your money in there. Stewards, say it with me, stewards are not the owner. Stewards are entrusted. They're given something and that which they're given, they're to do something with it. So we see that we are stewards. Matthew 20, uh, excuse me, Psalms 24 says, God has made everything, everything belongs to the Lord and he asks us and he entrusts us for 60, 70, 80. Met someone, uh, our, one of our dear saints today came and greeted me and just had a birthday, 88 years old. When we celebrate you, we sell, I'm not gonna call you out, I'll get in trouble, but we celebrate you on your birthday, 88 years old. And for 88 years, God has entrusted her to use that which he has given to her. Psalm 50, verse 10 says, all the animals of the forest are mine. I own the cattle on how many hills? A thousand hills. Sometimes I just say, God, can you sell a cow or two and just give us the resources? Because there's so much more we need to do. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. They're yours. I know every bird on the mountain and all the animals of the field. The Lord says, they are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for all of the world is mine and everything in it is mine. 
You see, what he's saying is you and I are stewards. He owns it all. Paul says it this way. Look with me. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Underline that. Your body. You are the temple. The Holy Spirit takes residence in you who lives in you and was given to you by God. So the first principle I want you to get is that God owns everything. It all belongs to him. And we are stewards of that. He is the master. It is his. The servant was to handle what was given to them. Now, Paul and Peter begin to help us to understand that we are stewards of our time. We're stewards of our talents. And we're stewards of our resources. Now, today, we're focusing on talents. And Peter says it this way. Oh, man, I love this. First, Peter 4, God, read it with me, has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to do what? Help each other, passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings. So in the first part of that verse, that God has given to each of us some special abilities. Those abilities are spiritual gifts, and we're going to talk about those in a minute. I love the way the Living Bible says this over in 1 Corinthians, Paul's writing, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7, the Holy Spirit, now this is really what helps me to understand the gifts in my own life, that the Holy Spirit displays God's power, God's anointing, God's special grace. The Holy Spirit displays it, releases it, and empowers me with it. He, he gives it to each and every one of us as a means of doing what? Helping the entire church. In the living, that's the living Bible. And, uh, and, and, and when it says that, it says it, that it's displayed, it's released. Another translation says that spiritual gifts are given to each of us. Why? So that we can help others. In a moment, I'm going to share with you different various spiritual gifts that we can use in building what God gives to you and I in building the kingdom of God. But what I love the way God has put us all together, the tapestry of the beauty of God in display of building the kingdom of God is every one of us have different gifts and all of those gifts come together to help us to be what God wants us to be and to help others to grow in him, help others to get connected to him and to one another and to impact our world around. In fact, this morning, right before uh, the service, I had a guest reception in the lobby and I was sharing with many that was there that we have four core values, four core values at Christian Life Center. Four core values that we all that are serving serve within because those values bring pleasure to the heart of God. It's what pleases God. If you've ever said, God, what can I do to honor you and to please you? God has not made that a mystery. He's revealed it to you and I. And one of those things is he wants us to experience him. Say experience him. 
to experience God. Every weekend when we come into a worship service, when we tune in, what we're doing is we're experiencing the love of God, the grace of God, the anointing of God, the presence of God. We're being filled with the Holy Spirit. We're experiencing him. You see, it's more than a sermon. It's more than a song. It's our prayers going up. It's praying for one another. It's hearing the word. It's allowing his spirit to speak to us and to strengthen us and to anoint us. We experience God. But God also desires that you and I are connected together. That we don't walk alone. That we don't journey alone. And the problem in a large setting is it's easy to come and go, sit and leave. We sneak in or we come in late and we leave early or right when the service is over. And we really don't greet nobody or really get to know anyone. Well, that's not God's plan. He wants you to be locked together with one another and journey life together. We are connected together for a purpose, and that's to hold one another up, to pray for one another, to encourage one another. And therefore, I have, you have, we have spiritual gifts that help us experience God, to connect together. The third, who knows the third aspect of our vision? Grow and serve. You get the gift card, whoever shot it out first. Grow and serve. Now, grow and serve means that I'm growing in the character of Christ. Hear me. Growing in the character of Christ. You see, the most important thing is that we are a reflection of Christ. Can I tell you, it's not enough just to experience God if we don't build roots that go deep. Our faith goes deep. And as our faith goes deep in the Lord, we can only grow in Christ through the word of God. And by learning the word and living the word and loving the word, doing our soap every day. Have you learned what soap is yet? What is it? The scripture. Someone said spiritual gift. Ah, that was good. That's a good try. <laughs> We've been doing the daily devotion. S is what? Scripture. O, observation. A, application. And then P, prayer. That's how you can model your daily devotion. Open Scripture. Read it. Observe. Who is the, who is, who is the writer writing to? I just did that a few moments ago. Paul said... He says to the Corinthians, the reason he's saying it is because of that. It's observation that now has to apply to my life. I take the scripture of old, and there's got to be the bridge to today. And the bridge to today is called application. What does God say to me, to you? How do we live it out? You see, if you only listen to me on Sunday, if you're in the building, you know there's a big gap that's here. And unfortunately, a lot of times, there is a gap between the preaching of the word and the word of God and the application to our life. And so the bridge into you and I is something we have to work at, that we apply it to our lives. So we're growing in Christ and we're serving Christ by serving one another. Now, that's what we're talking about these few weeks. We're talking about serving the Lord because the only way you can serve God is by serving one another. So poke somebody, nudge somebody, and say, when you serve, you help me grow. 
When I serve, I help you grow. And when we serve, we serve him. Man, it's so often someone will say, God, pastor, I want, I want to serve God with my whole life. I want to serve God. And what they're usually talking about is they want to experience God. They want to have a revelation of God. They want, to, they want to understand more about God. And they want to have these powerful moments where God moves. But you serve God. In fact, let me say the only way you serve God is when you serve one another. When the ministry is released to the body of Christ, the body of Christ is built up and that brings joy to God and that's my service unto the Lord. So if you've prayed, God, I wanna serve you, what you're saying to God is, God, I'm going to pick up one of these cards and I'm gonna figure out where you want me to serve because that's how I serve you is by serving those that are around me. And then the fourth and final, you should know this one, the fourth and final part of our vision is to make a impact, a major spiritual impact. Okay, the I is that I am a steward, okay? The next letter is what? Is the S. Now, the S is that we have spiritual gifts. Look at verse 15. We have spiritual gifts. Verse 15 goes on. To one, the master representing Christ, to one he gave five talents, to another he gave two talents, and to another he gave one talent, each according to his ability. Now underline that. It's not meant to be competitive. It's not meant to, to feel condemned but it's the capacity, it's the anointing, it's the grace of God, and he's the one that chooses it. He, he allots it to us. We don't earn it, he allots it to us, and he gives these talents. Now, another word for talent, may want to circle it, and off to the side, write spiritual gifts. Talents are spiritual gifts. They're special abilities. It's God's grace. It's God's anointing. It's how God wants to use you. It's the area he wants to empower you. And he's given them to each and every one of us. Now, the problem is, is many, they forget that we are stewards and they start acting like they're owners. And therefore, my time my resources and my talents are for me. But the problem is, is when we get that mindset, we forget that they're not for our benefit, but they're for the benefit of others. Others need your talents. Others need your time. And God uses our resources and our treasures to build the kingdom for his glory. Man, it's powerful. Now, the challenge here, here's the challenge is you nor I really know what's our capacity. Am I one talent? Am I two talent? Or am I five talent? You see, the amount differs that's given out, but everybody gets something, which means there's no such thing as a no talent person. Everybody has special Abilities. In fact, Paul would say that each of us are given different gifts according to the grace that's given 
to us. And it's given to us for the purpose of expanding the kingdom, fulfilling the purpose. And when I accept the assignment, when I say yes to God, just say it with me, yes, Lord. When I say yes to the Lord, there is an assignment on the other side of my yes. Unfortunately, many say yes, but they don't accept the assignment that goes with the yes. And therefore, they never walk in significance. They never walk in purpose. They never walk what God would have them to do. And that brings us to the next part. Look here in verse 19. He goes on to say, after a long time, we'll go back up to 16 in a moment. But after a long time, the master of the servants, the master of the employees, the, 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 the boss, the CEO, returned, and what did he do? He settled accounts. Well, what that means, if we're moving on in our acrostic, is that he expects, that's the E, for me to use my gifts. He expects me to use my time. He expects me to use my treasures, my talent, and my time for his kingdom and for his glory. It is not optional. And the reality is there will be an accountability. There will be a reckoning. There will be a moment where he will look at you and I and he will say, what did you do with what I invested to you? Was there a return? Did you use my time? Did you use my talent? Did you use my treasures for my kingdom and my glory? Or did you use it for yourself? And thus the battle. Because we live in a world, the values of this world is fight and, and take care of yourself and, and live for your pleasures and, and seek and get whatever you can and push yourself and drive yourself. Add a little bit of God so that you know that you're saved, but everything else is yours. And we forget that, no, my time is yours. I may not have a lot of treasure, but I may not be working right now. So instead of staying home and watching soap poppers, and, and uh, is that how you say it? And watching Netflix and watching all the other stuff. Instead of spending my time doing that, how about going and serving the Lord? How about giving some time to God? How about tithing your time how about that how about saying God I don't have a lot of resources right now so I'm going to tithe my time I'm going to give time to you God I'm going to give my treasure to you I'm going to give you my talents Lord I'm giving it to you because real servants say real servants are faithful with their ministry Real servants say, God, what have you entrusted to me? There's a, an accounting coming. There's a reckoning that's coming. The owner will come back one day. And the question is, what will he find? You see, the beauty of this is that I have an opportunity. Man, the opportunity. It's not an obligation. It's an opportunity. But one day, there's going to be an audit by God. One day, there's going to be a moment where I've got to give account for myself. Romans 14, 12, Paul says, each of us, say each of us. That's you. That's me. All of us will give an account of himself to God. Paul, same writer, Romans, he just read, I just read that, over in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Paul, same writer, says it this way. 
We must all. Now, all includes who? All. Everyone. That's you. That's me. Everyone watching. All. All nations, all tribes, all genders, all. I said genders. Like, <laughs> Lord, help us. Will appear. This is so good. Oh, Vince, I wish I had time to unpack this. If I was Nadine, I'd take the time and do it. Vince, <laughs> uh, this is so good. He says, we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. See, the Bible talks about two judgments. There's what's called the great white throne judgment, and that's the judgment for unbelievers. If you don't accept Christ as your Savior, if you don't commit to walk with Christ, if you don't surrender your life to Christ, there will be a day where you will stand before God and you will be asked, what did you do with my message of salvation? With my message of my son, did you receive him? Did you ask him to, to come? And, and did I receive the Lord Jesus as the savior of my life? Because I can't save myself, but I need him. I need him, amen? I need him. And therefore, I turn to him. The great white throne judgment is for unbelievers. But what Paul is talking about right here is we must all be, appear before what? The judgment seat of Christ. This was the idea of a, of a, of a stadium, and it's called the Bema. It's, it's that where they would come, and they would, they would, like on the Olympics, they would step up on the podium, and they would receive their reward. It's the judgment seat. It's the moment where you and I will stand before Christ, and we will answer the question, what did you do with the time I gave you? What did you do with the talents I gave you? What did you do with the treasures that I gave you? Why? It's because you're not the owner of it. You're only the steward. And so there'll be a moment where we will come before the great uh, 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 moment of the Bema where Christians will come to the judgment seat of Christ. But the problem is, is that we're not living our life with eternity in our minds. We're living our lives as though it's mine. Self-centered, self-focused. My time, my talent, my treasures. But God will ask me, what did you do with what I gave you? I mean, he will come and there will be that reckoning. And that takes us to the next part of, our, of our, our acrostic, and that is the R. There will be a return, and there will be a reward. Go back up to verse 16. Right, right off, the first servant went, when, when, when the master had come back, and, and he was going to settle up accounts, the first servant goes to him, he, and, and when he got what the master gave to him, he went to work right away, and what did he do with what the master had given? He doubled it. You see, it's wrong to bury it. He's going to show us we can't just sit on it. We've got to invest it. We've got to use it. We're stewards of it. We've got to take it and make sure that it's something that expands the kingdom of God. My time, my talents, my treasures. I'm going to be accountable for it. He will return and there will be a reckoning and therefore I've got to be mindful of it. Or a reward. 
We're going to see in a moment there was a reward. So the first man doubles the investment. What does double mean? 100% return. If I give you $100 and you double it, you got how much? $200. You double it. Well, the first man went to work and doubled it right away. Now, how many talents did the first guy have? Five talents. So five goes to 10. We're good. The second, verse 17, did the same. Now, how many talents did the second man get? Two. So now two becomes, he's resourceful. He bought stock. He invested. He did something. These two men, by the way, different amounts of talents. The capacity was different. And the thing that I tell our pastors all the time is I don't know if I'm a two-talent or five-talent or one-talent. Because in a moment, we're going to see that my reward is on what I'm doing. And if I'm faithful in what I do, in the fruitfulness of my life, he takes from those that are not faithful and he gives it to those that are faithful and their capacity grows and expands. Why is CLC growing? Why are we having an impact? Because you're faithful, you're seeking God, you're fruitful, you're walking in the vision. And we're saying, God, give us the harvest. Our eyes are on eternity. God, we're gonna do what you've called us to do. And we're putting our hands and we're working while it's day. Can I hear an amen? amen. These two men had the same mindset. They worked. They took what was given and they took it and they used it. They grew themselves. They doubled their work, whatever it was. But the third man, say the third one, in verse 18, what did he do? Nothing. He buried it. He did nothing. He was irresponsible. He was unconcerned. But the man with a single thousand, one uh, one talent, dug a hole and carefully buried his master's money. It wasn't his, it was the master's, and he hides it. The master, again, in verse 19, comes back. It's the day of reckoning, and he's going to ask, what have you done to advance my kingdom? What have you done with my time, my talents, my treasures that I've invested into you? And if we have lost sight of the fact that the master is going to return, we will have this conversation where he will say, what did you do? My excuse cannot be I was busy. My excuse cannot be I I was raising my family. I had no time. My excuse cannot be my job was demanding. And I was too exhausted. No, the question is, what did you do with the dash in your life? The day you were born to the day you you, you pass are two dates that'll be on your tombstone. But the most important part is the dash that's in the middle. How did you live your life? What did you do with that which was given to you? That which God asked you to do? The day that you and I, all of us, will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We will be asked, what did you do with my time that I gave to you? And the talents that I gave? You may only have 20 years or 50 years or 88 years. I don't know how much time. But what did you do with the time that I gave to you? See, the problem is too many people are living in a win and then mentality. Say it, when and then mentality. When this happens, then I will begin to do this. 
when the kids get grown, when they when when they're no longer babies, and I'm 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 not being I'm not being able to sleep all night. Then God, I can do this for you. I'll be rested. I can serve you. But the problem is, is once they come out of the cradle, now they're toddlers and they're everywhere. And now you have no energy. So the when and then mentality is, well, when they go to school, God, then I'll be able to serve you. And then they get to school and for whatever reason, now you're shuttling them around. You got sports events and dance classes and swim classes and, and, and everything else. And before you know it, the when and then gets pushed even further. Well, when they get to high school, then God, I will be able to. And then before you know it, now you're up all night praying, where are they, God? What are they doing? Lord, <laughs> You know, you're, you're, you're tracking them on their phone. You're trying to put devices. They don't even know where they're, you know, you're, you're tracking them and you're all worried. And the when and then gets pushed off when they go to college. And now, by that point, many people have gotten apathetic in their faith or maybe not even attending church anymore. And now there's not even a passion. They've gone so long and not serving the Lord that they keep putting it off and off and off. Maybe you're in a season where your career is demanding and it's pushing you. The when and then thinking is, well, when things slow down, then I'll be able to serve the Lord. But how many, how many know it's not going to slow down? In fact, those that make something happen are those that budget it and time it and, and make sure it's a priority and they sacrifice to it. If you want something to get done, you give it to someone that's doing something because you know they're going to get it done. So he says here, there will be a day of reckoning. They doubled it. And they got the same reward, by the way. Capacity was different, but they got the same reward. And God is only holding you and I accountable to that which he has entrusted to us. But the third servant, say third servant. The third servant said, you scare me. Third servant said, Master, I know you're a hard man. I know that you reap where you haven't sown. I, I know that you get. I, I know all of this. You have these high expectations. And, and because of fear, I didn't want to lose what you had given to me. So instead, I didn't want to risk it. I went and buried it, and I hid it. And, and here it is. What you gave me, I give back to you. I don't have more than what you gave me, but I give it back to you. I buried it. It's too busy. Too many things going on. Too much happening. I, I, I didn't do it. I was afraid. I was insecure. I didn't have the time. Life was demanding. Whatever the excuse may be. But the master's response, Jesus' reaction was that he was upset. Are you feeling this today? He was upset. See, this is not about us. It's not about Christian Life Center. It's about serving the master. And what does he do? He strips away. He separates him. And in verse 26 and 27, he basically says, you're a wicked, lazy servant. Wow. See, he misunderstood what the master wanted. He thought about that my responsibility as a steward is just kind of Bury it. Don't use it. Don't multiply it. Don't take what he's given. He misunderstood. He didn't do what the master desired. Didn't even put it in the bank, he said, to get a little interest. He says, you're wicked. Wow, that's such a hard word. 
means there's evil there. there. There's wickedness. You see, for you and I, we don't serve God only when it's convenient. In fact, serving God is often inconvenient. There's been many a Sundays I've gotten up and I don't want to go to church. I don't want want to go to church. I want to sleep in like you. I want to have a late breakfast like you. I mean, I I don't even get to eat before I get up here. It's not going to be good. I mean, I just... The nervous, the fear, all the things that we deal with. But it's not always convenient. There's a sacrifice. And we do it for the kingdom. We do it for his glory. We do it so that his, his name can become great. And he says, wicked, lazy. Verse 29, he says he's worthless. Throw him out. Throw him where there's weeping and gnashing. Now, by the way, this isn't hell that he's referring to here because these were his servants. And it's a parable linked to a principle. And therefore, what he's talking about is the bema, the judgment seat of Christ. There's no reward. He did nothing, nothing to account for it. And it was cast out. Well, there's various gifts that God gives to us so that we can expand the kingdom. I don't have time to go deep, but there's gifts that communicate God's word. Spiritual gifts, and we have a spiritual assessment that helps you on the card that you got when you came in today on the front where there's a picture is a, uh, is a QR code that will enable you to go and to take a spiritual profile, an assessment that helps you to discover where are your spiritual gifts. And there are spiritual gifts that help you and help God and, and help the kingdom to move forward because we're communicating the word of God. There's gifts of prophecy and evangelism. There's uh, gifts uh, of going as missionaries into foreign countries, the apostolic gifts. These communicate the word of God. But secondly, there are gifts that educate God's people. The gift of teaching, the gift of preaching, exhortation. When, when individuals are, are applying the principles of God's word, that's called God's word applied in everyday life, is the gift of wisdom. You understand and apply the word of God to situations. Spiritual discernment, perceiving, trying to understand in the spirit what God is doing. Words of knowledge, understanding supernatural things that God reveals. I remember as a young high schooler, my family and I were moving to another city. We were, uh, we were um, pulling a U-Haul trailer. We were uh, driving a, a U-Haul truck. We were moving and as we were going down the highway, the, the U-Haul trailer, all of a sudden smoke started coming from its tires and, and it was just starting, smoke started, you know, welling up. And so we pulled over really quick to, to try to find out what was going on and we, we couldn't figure out what was happening. We were out in the middle of nowhere on a highway and, and so my, my parents said, let's pray. Now I was probably 16, 17 years old and we began to pray. And as we began to pray, I mean, in the moment we started to pray, God gave me a picture. And by the way, God speaks to us many times in, in pictures. I mean, he'll speak to you with a word and a picture or dreams. And, and, and he's, he gave me a picture immediately in my mind. I mean, I, I wanted to stop them from praying because I, 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 I knew what the problem was. I mean, just like that, I got a picture in my mind. 
And so I, I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm letting them pray. And, you know, and as soon as my, my father said, amen, praying, God, give us wisdom, God. I mean, the moment he started praying, I got the picture. And that was, and I had no idea. I'd never seen it, didn't know about it. But on the U-Haul, it had a brake up at the tongue that would connect to the car. And that brake had popped up. And therefore, the brakes were going on the U-Haul. I had no idea. I didn't even know it would have something. And God gave me that picture. I walked around and I said, I know what it is. And sure enough, we put that that brake back down on that U-Haul and off we were going. You see, that's a word of knowledge. I didn't know that ahead of time. I had not learned that ahead of time. But God revealed it to me. He'll give you words of wisdom and words of knowledge to advance his kingdom. And then there's gifts that demonstrate God's love. Demonstrate. Now, helps and service, meeting the needs of the church family, gifts of mercy that help the the, the body of Christ when it's hurting and going through difficulties, the gift of mercy, the gift of hospitality, the gift of pastoring. And, 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 And these gifts help to comfort and care for and minister to the body. And then lastly, the last two, is there's gifts that celebrate God's presence. The gift of music, musical talents, the gift of craftsmanship, where there's artistic abilities to build something or, or to benefit believers. There are, there are these gifts of the craftsmen or the musicians and, and those that can help us to experience God. And then lastly, there's what we call prayer-related gifts. Prayer-related gifts are gifts of intercession, where we're praying with great fervor. I mean, Candy has the gift of intercession. You give her a prayer night, and we will go all night long. How many know what I'm talking about? I mean, she and all of you with the gift of intercession, you love it, don't you? I mean, you love it. The gift of intercession, we need that. The gift of healing where God is using certain ones to heal others in the body of Christ. The gift of miracles, the gift of tongues and and interpretation. These are prayer-related gifts that benefit the body of Christ. Now, I know I went through that quickly, but can I tell you that online we have a spiritual assessment that will help you, that will help you to discover your gift. And by the way, in our School of Discipleship, we even help you to see where these gifts can be used within the body. The last thing I would say in our acrostic, I is for what? I am a steward. The S, we have spiritual gifts. The E, God expects us to use them, not to bury them, right? The R, There will be a return and there will be a reward or the reaction. And then the last, uh, the V is what? Various gifts. And then E stands for excuses must be overcome. If I don't know what my purpose is, then discover it. If I'm not using my talents, And say, God, help me to make the time. Help me, God, to begin to learn where and how I can serve you. Because when I serve the body, I serve you. If my schedule is unbalanced, then God, help me to arrange some things. For some, fear. I mean, he hid the talents 
He hid his talent because of fear. Sometimes there's a fear that holds us back. For some, we're waiting for the win and then. We're waiting for a perfect condition, perfect time, perfect circumstances. But the reality is there'll never be a perfect condition. Sometimes it's my self-doubt. God could never use me. It's my inferiority. It's my, it's my, my own self-consciousness. My mistakes, my failures, my weaknesses, my self-pity that I don't have a lot of gifts. I, I'm not telling. I mean, last week when Pastor Charles got up, and I know he's here somewhere. Can't see him in the lights. Pastor Charles got up to preach. And before he started preaching, what did he do? Man, he sang three songs. And I leaned over to Pastor Kevin and I said, that's not fair. I mean, that is just not fair. That's just not fair. And then he gets up here and he preaches the house down. I mean, you're, I mean, it was like incredible. Man, we love you, Pastor Charles. I mean, I'm telling you, I said it wasn't fair. It just, it wasn't fair. It just wasn't fair. I mean, you even went to 1230 and they stayed. It's just, it's just not fair. You and Pastor Nadine have an anointing. I'm just telling you, you know. Amen. Kevin and I laughed all week. It's, Kevin, it's not fair. It's not fair. All these talents, all these gifts. I'm going to stay in my little two-talent lane, you know. Two-talent, two-talent, you know. Amen. You see, some are waiting until the conditions are right, until... Maybe something writing in the sky. You're waiting for a voice from heaven. The problem is most we make excuses. I mean, look what he says. I was afraid and I went out and I hid your talent in the ground. But here, here it is. I give it back to you. See, fear holds us back. But what I know is that when I begin to serve the Lord, and I love the last part of this passage. Look in verse 28. Verse 28, look what he says. Do I have that on the screen? Verse 28, in my notes I have it. See it in verse 28. He says, take the talent from him, the one that buried it, that did nothing with it, and give it to the one who has, how much? Ten talents. Started with five. He doubled it, so his capacity grew. And now what's the Lord doing? He's taking from those that he called wicked and lazy, those that did nothing with it, and he gives it to the one that already has 10. You know what I've learned from that is God will grow your anointing. God will increase your capacity. When you're faithful, And you long to be fruitful in your fruitfulness, in your desire to grow your anointing in your capacity. He will begin to give you greater influence, greater impact. It's not about position. It's about expanding the kingdom of God. And it's about advancing it for his glory. But the reality is if I don't use it, I lose it. The application is if you're not losing your spiritual gifts... There's no reward for you at the bema, at the judgment seat. So my prayer, no condemnation to any other believer 
or any other church in our community. But my prayer has been, God, we will be faithful. God, we will be fruitful. God, I give you my life. I give you my time. I give you my talents. I give you my treasures. God, I give it to you. I will be faithful. Verse 23, I love what he says in verse 23. The master replied, well done. Well done. Say it, well done. Good and faithful servants. You have been faithful with a few. Now I will put you in charge of many. See, it's not about power or position. It's about impact and influence for the kingdom of God. I will bless you. I will prosper you. I will increase your anointing and your impact and your influence. I will do it because you have been faithful and your faithfulness is seen in your fruitfulness. Therefore, come and share in your master's happiness. So my prayer has been, God, we'll be faithful. God, we're going to strive to be fruitful to be messengers of hope that take a message of hope, say it with me, everywhere to everyone. God, we will be faithful. Me and our pastoral team and staff, God, we will work, we will serve. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've prayed and I've said, God, if you fill the auditorium, we'll start another service. If you fill it up again, we'll start another service. I mean, I'm telling you, we'll do six services a day. We'll do it. God, we'll be faithful. And in our faithfulness, will you send the anointing? God, if you'll send the lost, God, we will care for them. If you send those who are broken and hurting, God, we will help them to grow. God, if you'll send people that want to be used by God and used by you, then God, we will use them. We will give the ministry away. I'll move over so others can move in so that we can expand the kingdom of God. I went Friday night and I hid in the back to our young adult. Young adults, give me a shout. Let me, let me see who you are. And I hid in the back when, when Amanda was preaching. And man, Amanda, I don't know where you are right now, but didn't she preach the house down? Man, wow. Preaching about Joshua and Caleb generation. And I looked, there's probably over 150 of you that, was not, that night. I didn't get the count, but there's probably over 150 of you that night. And what I loved was watching your worship watching you pursue God and seek God and move in. And I love your new theme. We are here. Say it again. We are here. When the world is saying they're leaving the church, they're saying, no, we are here. We're here. You see, that's what we're saying is God will be faithful. We'll be fruitful. And therefore, God, if others don't care for the talents the souls, that which you want to do to make an impact for your kingdom, then God, I promise you, we'll care for it. I promise you, we'll train and equip. I promise you, God, we'll do everything we can as messengers of hope. Why? Because the end is coming. Eternity is on the horizon. The master is gone, and he's going to be coming back, and there will be a reckoning. 
It's not about my rewards, but it's about those that are lost and dying. It's about 1.8 million in our community that have yet to hear the gospel. So we're saying, God, I'll serve. I'll give my life. I'll give my time. I'll give my talent. I'll give my treasures. Whatever it is, I will. You have my yes. You have my yes. And in on my yes, man, there's an anointing. In my yes, there's an infilling. In my yes, there's strength in my weakness. In my yes, he empowers me. In my yes, he transforms me. In my yes, he turns my past around and he begins to show me what is that, what he wants me to do. All he wants is your yes. Will you say it with me? Yes. When I say yes, and I mean yes, all of a sudden, there's an empowerment that comes. My challenge to all of us is we need you. The Lord needs you. The kingdom needs you. If you're truly saying yes to the Lord, then I need you to get involved, to look into the areas where you could be used. To go here and QR code and get connected. Online family. We have online ministries. We have people in Tampa and North Carolina that are leading life groups, SOD classes. We have people that are facilitating and hosts. We need you. You could be overseas. We need you. You look around and you say, oh, it's a big church. Yeah, we're a big church, but God wants us to make a big impact. He wants us to make a major spiritual impact. He's called us to be a big voice in a big city, and therefore it takes all of us. He wants our yes. The yes that says, I'll serve. Well, pastor, I'm 88. I'm old. I can't. No, I don't believe that. I believe there's a yes in you. You've been given it. Oh, it's the next generation. No, he's not done with you yet. You know what I thought about when Amanda was preaching? is that Joshua and Caleb represent both generations. Because when Joshua was young, he saw the vision. And he said, we can take it. We can do it. We can, we can fight this battle. And then 45 years later, when he's old, what was Joshua saying? Give me that mountain. I saw it back then, and it's still my mountain. I'm going to take it now. You see, there is no retirement. It's your yes. Your yes that says, I'll serve. Father, as we come to the end, I pray. I pray, God, that we all will say yes. And our yes, God, will lead us to be faithful and fruitful. Our yes will show us what our gifts are. Our yes will expand the anointing, the gifts, the calling, that which you've given to us. God will expand it for your kingdom. Lord, it's not about the church just getting more volunteers or workers. No, it's about an impact for the kingdom. But we have to unify and walk together and work together in unity if we're going to make a major spiritual impact. So in unity, we choose to serve under this house. Christian Life Center. 
so many areas that we can serve, various gifts and ministries. That you'll use us, that you'll anoint us. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Stand with me across the room. Charles is going to come. And my encouragement as you leave today, that you take the card, you give the Lord a yes, and you determine that you'll serve. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.